At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Mari Forth. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from Aora, Sydney. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. You can get this podcast along with all the fantastic reality TV content by subscribing to robhasawebsite.com slash feed. That's robhasawebsite.com slash R-H-A-P-U-P-S feed. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our dedicated feed. Please go to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You'll get your true crime on Tuesdays. If you've already subscribed, thank you so much. We love you. Mari, what did we watch this week? This week, we watched Savior Complex from HBO Documentaries, available on Max in the US and Binge in Australia. We've recently covered other HBO original documentaries, um, including Telemarketers, Last Call, and BS High. Savior Complex is directed by Jackie Jesko, who also directed Between Life and Death, Terry Schiavo's Story, and Demons and Saviors. And joining us to break it all down, she helped us keep sweet and obey and warned us away from the cult that was Orgasmic Inc. It's the super smart social justice warrior, Gia Worthy. Gia, welcome back. Gia! Hello! Thank you for thinking of me when we were you were putting this episode together. I am very honored. Um, truthfully, I don't know whether I would have watched this documentary if not for Crime Scene, but now I am... Uh, I feel a little more knowledgeable and a lot more angry since <laughs> finishing it. Congratulations. Yes. And I'm sure I am not alone with that, but I think there are no two better people that I can ask for to get that rage out with than with you two. So I'm very excited to get into everything. Well, we're definitely glad to have you. And yes, this is one for the books (laughs) to break down. So let's get let's just hop straight to it, because I'm pretty sure we'll we'll probably have a lot to say. So to the crime in 2009, Renee Bach started a charity in Uganda called Serving His Children. What started as a feeding program grew to a place which presented itself as a medical facility treating malnutrition and other ailments in children. Although she had no medical training, it is alleged that Renee routinely wore a stethoscope around her neck, diagnosed ailments, decided on which drugs would be administered and in what doses, and inserted IV needles. It seems clear that the Ugandan mothers who brought their babies to serving his children were under the impression that it was a registered medical facility and that Renee was a doctor. 
Among the whistleblowers was American nurse Jackie Kramlick, who volunteered as serving his children and was extremely disturbed by what she witnessed there. Renee denies all allegations. In 2015, the facility was shut down as their registration had expired. In 2017, Serving His Children, in partnership with the Ugandan Ministry of Health, opened an inpatient center for malnourished children. In 2019, Renee returned to the United States saying she was fundraising for the center. That same year, a lawsuit was brought by two mothers whose children had died in Renee's care. Without admitting any liability, serving his children paid each mother 9000 U.S. dollars. In 2020, Renee Bach announced she would no longer practice medicine in Uganda. <sighs> we also, in this documentary, there was also the participation of a group called No White Saviors. After the release of this documentary, they wanted to release their own statement about their participation in the documentary. We are going to read just a brief, just a brief, some brief parts from their statement. But if you want to read their full statement, which is very long, <laughs> you will leave a link in the show notes or you can check out their social media. Uh, their social media, Twitter and Instagram is at no white saviors. Uh, But they said in their statement, around 2020, No White Saviors was approached by Latchkey Films acting on behalf of HBO with the proposal to do a documentary that would examine the white savior industrial complex with particular focus on the acts of Renee Bach while she was still running her illegal and unlicensed health facility serving his children. This was after a lot of media activism from No White Saviors exposing the human rights violations that had been committed by Renee Bach on Ugandan families. We were also led to believe that this documentary would focus on our work and our fight to break the white savior industrial complex. We continue to do the work of highlighting and calling for the dismantling of the white savior industrial complex, regardless of whether we garner attention or not. We have our own story to tell about this, and we plan to do so through a Black and African-led media company. So again, that's just a small snippet of their statement, but we felt like it was important to include here because they were clearly led to believe that the documentary was one way, and I don't know if it was what they thought. So broad thoughts. Gia, what are your your overall thoughts of the doc? This is a docuseries, a three-part docuseries on Max. This is, now, there are a couple things here that I think people need to know about <laughs> me and <laughs> my overall thoughts on things like this. I came into this documentary already not having a favorable opinion about organized religion in general, as well Mm -hmm. as missionary work. Mm -hmm. So if you are, that is not to say that I think like if you are a religious person, that you are an awful person or that I think less of you. It's just that organized religion does not work for me. Mm -hmm. And I found that out during my 
nine years of Catholic school and whatnot. So that mm-hmm. that's just like, this is obviously like my personal experience playing into this. There is a lot of anger and frustration and resentment on my part that what we're really seeing in real time is this playing with Ugandan individuals' lives, but it's also mm-hmm. a statement on the on a bigger problem of missionary work being used to basically, you know, play with individuals' lives at the expense of, you know, their safety, well-being for other people to feel good about themselves and not actually centering the individuals who need the care resources and action that will also give them self-sufficiency when these missionaries are no longer there. I do not, I do not think highly of missionaries. I think that they should be illegal. I thought this before this documentary, but I feel like a lot of my beliefs were really reinforced by this and it's unfortunate to see this being taken over in or seeing this still going on in real time the scene with the all of like it looks like a career fair but for missionary options um Mm. at the very end of the documentary i feel like that will stick with me because after everything that we had seen it just breaks my heart to see that this industry is still thriving i think that renee while Yes, in some way, she is being used as an example of a bigger problem. And I can't pin everything that I want to on Renee. However, I her lack of accountability that I saw in the documentary, her lack of remorse for anything and her maintaining and the excuses that she created for what happened in her practice under mm-hmm. her eye was incredibly disappointing to see. And I think that while I do think that she should have more accountability in some ways, and I hope that there will be a way for us to see that happen in the future. I also think that she is a representation of a bigger problem of when you feel called on by God to act in a certain way or to be helping, helping I'm putting in quotations for a certain cause that you are not doing any of that work for the individuals that actually need it. You are doing that for yourself. So I think that there's a lot of thoughts that I have about this documentary and I'm excited for us to go through it, but there was a lot of negativity for me when I was watching this. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Sarah, how about you? Your, your overall thoughts of the docuseries? This psycho bitch, my God. <laughs> Mari, you need to put the uh, warning to, yeah. <laughs> to X-rated. Mm-hmm. I may have some words. So there's two or indeed three kind of strands running through this. First of all, the documentary as a product mm-hmm. is very well made. That's the last, probably the last praise I'll, I'll have for the documentary. Mm. It's three one-hour episodes. They go very quickly, fueled by rage. <laughs> they go very quickly. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Mary, we often talk about point of view, and Gia, I wonder if if we'll get into talking with you about this later, but what is their point of view? I was quite excited at the beginning because it seemed that 
They were laying out Renee's view. God had called her. The first episode is called God Doesn't Call the Qualified. He Qualifies the Called. And this was her entire modus operandi. I'm not a doctor, but God's going to qualify me by, I don't know, talking to me, something. God told me to. Great. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, this is really interesting. They're sort of putting a glowing light on Renee, and then we're really going to get to the nitty-gritty of what happened. To some extent, we did. I know that No White Saviors feels the documentary is very skewed Renee's way. It is to some extent. I don't know. I found the point of view very, I couldn't find the point of view. First of all, I think the fact that they didn't call it white saviour complex already tells you Mm -hmm. that there's going to be a cop out in the documentary. Mm -hmm. And I know when the three of us were were chatting about it in the lead up to watching it and discussing it, we often called it white saviour. Oh, that's right. No, it's not called that. So that's two of the things. And then the third thing is what appears to be a, a tricking is the wrong word, that they went to No White Saviors who are a education advocacy and activism group. Mm. And it sounds like, we don't know, we weren't there, but it sounds like they were under the impression that the documentary was going to focus on their advocacy, education and activism. Mm-hmm. And instead, the documentary seems to sort of put it up as Renee and the Christians versus No White Saviors. And I think that's very unfair to No White Saviors. There have been problems within the organization itself. Any organization does. They've had to decolonize themselves from, from the inside, mm-hmm. as we all, as all white people must uh, look into it, white people, get some books, educate yourself. But they are not just anti-Renee Buck. And interestingly, if you go and read the statement and then you look at some of the comments, I mean, Twitter comments, come on, stupid. But there are a lot of comments saying, well, great, now she's not feeding those people. Why don't you go and feed those people? Their entire mission is advocacy and activism, which is dismantling Mm -hmm. the saviour industrial complex, dismantling Mm -hmm. the missionary complex. So it's like saying patch up the bruises, not go after the abuser. So I'm, I'm restraining myself. I have more to say, but that's, that's it for now. Mara. Yeah, for me, it definitely felt like the okie doke, right? Because maybe it's because we just watched BS High. It's, it's like we've gotten progressively worse when it comes to spotlighting, <laughs> spotlighting the subject of a documentary. We went from BS High to the Jewel Thief, and now we're here at Savior Complex. And I'm just like, enough, enough, enough of spotlighting the person who the, not, you're not spotlighting the victims. You're, you're spotlighting the perpetrators here. And this was probably the most egregious one that we saw, especially within those last three. Because like you said, Sarah, just like in BS High, we thought, oh, okay. Uh, my, my first notes were, the, she's the first voice we hear. Her narrative is the first narrative that's laid out. And that immediately like pissed me off, especially since it's just such a passive narrative, you know? But like you, I was like, okay, but maybe they'll, they'll hit us with the okie doke later. They'll contradict her. They pushed back on her just a, a once, twice, 
in the in that middle episode but really it felt like they were letting her tell her side of the story when i'm like she's been telling her side of the story they even used that in this documentary they used they let her use her own words from her blog post in this story it felt like i do think that it felt skewed towards her um and then it was even interesting like more interesting because when they introduced no white saviors I was like, oh, okay, so here's the documentary. And that's when I was like, I perked up and I got excited. I was like, okay, okay, this is the documentary. And then we fall back into hearing from Renee again. I was like, oh my God, I don't care how Renee was raised in rural Virginia. What is happening? And we get her life story and then how she starts this Ugandan malnutrition area or whatever. And I just came away with this like, like you said, what was the documentary, like the documentarian trying to get across to us? Because what I was hoping, I like I was really hoping when people were reacting to the trailer and reacting t- before seeing, seeing the movie, I was really trying to give the show a benefit of a doubt. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, I I feel like they should be using this to nail her down, to really talk about the atrocities that are going on in Uganda and all these things. And I was holding out hope that they would, but they never did. They barely touched on, like the whole time I was like, why are all of these kids malnutrition? You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they never told us, well, what's the actual root cause of why these, why so many kids are like this? I had to go and, you know, Google myself. (laughs) I had to go, (laughs) I had to go and look it up myself. To, and you know, and it, it's it's of course it's a systematic thing, a, a system wide thing, and I really wish they, I really wish they would have gotten into that. Like we got so much backstory of like Renee's backstory when I would have loved some more backstory about Uganda itself. Uganda, we found out in like a, a quick sentence later in the show that I was like, the Ugandan healthcare system is structured around missionaries or something like that and i was like really why didn't we get an explanation of the ugandan healthcare system and and how missionaries are missionary are there were people confusing her her clinic because there's so many other missionary-led clinics you know what i'm saying like i really wish they gave us more backstory on uganda on its people on the system itself that is failing these kids so much so that these kids are then going to her to die. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially if halfway through, you're going to give me this stat that like, Oh, over in the the place that's fully staffed, their, their, their rate of death percentage is 14% and ours is 11%. And we get like a doctor saying, um, between 10 and 15% mortality rate is actually really good, but not anything else. So like, I'm like, why? Like, tell me why, if you're going to throw out those stats like that, like, I need to know why is that? Why are they saying, okay, only, only two, only two babies died today. That's a win for us. Like, give me some explanation especially if it feels like you're trying to i really felt like they were trying to defend her i mean we had both a doctor from another hospital 
and her nurse Constance defending her here. It's like they had to have the two black people to defend her. And he was even like, I'm not trying to defend her, but it was like, it kind of sounds like you're trying to defend her. But if you're, but the reason why I think you're trying to defend her is because I have no other knowledge base about what you're saying. And that's what I'm saying. Like if he's really like, he, he said it, he said in America, if a, if a child dies, it's a big thing. But here, one to two children die every day. Almost like it's not a big deal here. So explain that. Explain that to me. You know what I'm saying? Because to me, this seems inappropriate, <laughs> you know? And so there's just so many things that this documentary just completely missed the mark on, I believe. And then at the end, when they when they basically turned on no white saviors, like I was like, oh, this is a hit piece for no white saviors. It feels like like they completely turned on it. They included all of their social media posts. They showed that fight at the end. I was just like, what are we doing here? Like at the end, I was like, what are we doing here? And how did this become a battle between two white ladies? How did it become a battle between Renee? Renee Bach, who's uh, who's a you know accused of murdering over 105 children, and Kelsey, who is who was who was the one white founder of No White Savior, uh, No White Saviors, and they're going back and forth at the end of this. It's again decentering the victims. We didn't even hear from the victims' families or their mothers until the third episode. And even then, we did not get much from them. I'm so disappointed in this whole project. Like, it really, it left me confused. It left me feeling like I wasn't educated on anything that was going on there. And it left me felt, it, it left me feeling like they were doing everything they can they can to defend this woman. When bottom line, point blank period, she was performing medical procedures that she had absolutely no business doing. And I will get into that. You know, I'll get into that later, but this was just ridiculous to me. I'm sorry. That was a lot of ranting. Anybody else want to do some more ranting before we try and get a little bit structured over here? (laughs) I think you perfectly explained a lot of my frustrations with this project because this was... You know, I I don't look too deeply into trailers as much as maybe some people do because mm-hmm. I have been misled by trailers before, both in positive ways and negative ways. So I mm-hmm. just, you know, I I don't really pay attention to trailers as much as maybe I should as someone that likes to create content around media. Mm-hmm. But I was very frustrated with the lack of perspective on this documentary and the overall focus being on the two white women in this documentary. When we, I like Mari, the documentary you described about us learning about the history of missionary work in Uganda and then like using this serving his children and then using that as like a case study of this would be infinitely more appealing to me than the three hours I spent watching this. It was like an attempt to justify white women tears as if we have not gotten Mm -hmm. that in every other documentary. And in some ways it felt like this became the antithesis of what this documentary was trying to highlight, which is Mm -hmm. like, it did not, it did not do justice with 
the Ugandan people. It did mm-hmm. not do justice, I think, in uh, the concerns of like what, how the Ugandan people were treated in this facility and just how they are treated as like a missionary work in general, as a place mm-hmm. of missionary work. I was very disappointed with that. And even with the like there were certain excerpts that still really stick out to me and they might not even seem like a big deal at first glance, but like hearing about some of the employees at serving his children, talking about how it was very clear that Renee did not respect them. Renee did not uh, think no matter how much medical training they had, it was um, she knew better. She knew what people were what everybody needed. She did not trust the professionals the that were actually medically trained because she's an American with, and let's call it what it is. Like she was being racist here. She did not mm-hmm. believe she believed that her call to God as a white Christian, which is, this is what it is. And I'm sorry, like that is at the very end of it. She thought she could play doctor with people that, should just be happy with anything in her perspective. Like bad help is not as um, bad help is worse than, or not as bad as no help at all. And it's just so aggravating to see it. And then to see no remorse and really enabling behavior from HBO, from Renee, Renee's family. Um, I hated our mother in this. It was so frustrating. Um, her community and the fact that missionary work is still a um, is still an industry like this. Mm-hmm. I hate minute. I hate missionaries so much. They should be illegal <sighs> because of examples like this, where they are <sighs> taking advantage of countries that are victims of colonialism and using it as their own playground because they have decided that God has called onto them to be the saviors of insert country here the amount of times they said god called them to africa is so obnoxious in this video in this documentary or this docuseries like the like first of all africa is a continent i feel like we are all old enough to not generalize an entire continent significantly bigger than the united states by the way Uganda has its own history and its own struggles. And I want to hear about that. I don't care that Renee's not allowed to go back to Uganda because, <laughs> you know, like, it's. I'm sorry, I don't feel bad for her. You practice medicine when you weren't supposed to and 105 children died at your facility. So I really don't give a fuck that, like, you can't go back to a country that you were terrorizing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They have access to some amazing people. They're all actually women. So we have uh, Wendy Labaga from No White Saviors. We have Kakai Amnet, Gimbo Zubida, and Ziria Namantaba, who were mothers of dead children and grandmother in one case. And we have this amazing attorney, Prima Kwagala. Start there. In my mind, I'm rewriting this documentary. Start there. Center them. Let them tell their story. And basically, take Renee's words from her blog. Might as well. Might as well. 
And the amount of time that Renee got and her mother, that other bitch, <laughs> why are you talking to her? Because she didn't give us anything other than Renee didn't do anything wrong. Well, mm-hmm. so what, what were you expecting her mother, the, who was on the board of serving his children, what are you expecting her to say? And if you show me that clip of Renee on a horse trotting around a field one more time, I'm going to scream. When you had what access the, to these that? other people, you had access to these other women. Okay, now let's talk to Constance, who was the African nurse who spoke in her defence. Now talk to the doctor, the African doctor speaking in her defence. Let these people speak. And then let's go it, to the African doctor that out. didn't speak in her defense. You know what and I'm the, yes, exactly. I mean, they were choosing their words. I found it very interesting. Very briefly, we were given uh, when Jackie, the, the the American nurse, starts, she writes to the board, first of all, of serving his children. Then she tries to find who it is in Uganda she should complain to or blow the whistle to, and she's turned away at every at every door. Okay, so let's look at that. Let's look at the politics. Let's look at the money. Let's look at the hold that these mm-hmm. Christian ministry uh, missionaries have because of the amounts of money that were being raised. I mean, we're shown amounts of money by year on the screen, mm-hmm. but it's not really translated like hundreds of thousands is being raised every year. It's not being translated into what else that could do in the country. All right, if you're going to donate, yeah, it, it just seemed. Yeah, so like you, I thought it was going to be a bait and switch. We start with, we start with Renee, and then we build the case against her. But it wasn't like that at all. Not at all. Not at all. So, yes, we got a lot of different talking heads. I think Sarah went through the the bulk of them so that I can just continue to rant. Um, the thing that sent me over the edge right like i guess if you if we're breaking it down most of episode two is where we're getting into like the thick of it like like i still kind of feel like they didn't really tell us what renee did you know but i think we got the most of it here with the american nurse jackie who's she she, which is again like why are we getting her narrative? Yeah, what's she like, doing there? Like, great, but what's she doing there? She's an integral cog in the in the whole walking us through it because she because she was a nurse who was not on her side. Like Constance, you know, it it still felt like even talking to Constance to this day that she felt like Renee could do no wrong, and we know mostly because these people need these jobs. So Jackie, kind of being the person who's like who comes in, she she she's fresh out of nursing school, so that was. <laughs> Jackie's fresh out of nursing school herself and goes to Uganda. Like you haven't did a shift. You haven't did a rotation in a real hot, like in a real hospital, like real, real, real. And you're just going straight out of the frying pan into the fire. Just seems like as somebody who works in in the medical field, I could not imagine graduating with my medical laboratory science degree and then going over to a, a country where, especially like where malaria is present. Uh, is is very like present and then trying to do my job there because when you live in different areas you have different patient populations and you have different patient population needs so being a fresh grad student not go not even spending time in like an american hospital to know what kind of like the norm is to then quote unquote the norm to then go to 
like Africa in a, a community that that's plagued by malnutrition and um, is like underprivileged like that. It's like you're exposing yourself to the most extreme of your field as soon as you're coming out of school. To me, that just doesn't doesn't sound smart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you need more experience and yes. you don't want your first experience to be the most extreme of what you would likely see as a nurse, you know? I mean, she, she was Googling stuff. Yeah. At least she was Googling stuff. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Too, it's too side. So she talks yeah. about the refeeding syndrome. And this was really the clearest we got for an actual something that could be laid at Renee's feet, that she, Jackie, looked up this refeeding syndrome. It kills children. So they come in malnourished and you have to be, I now know, extremely careful in hydrating and feeding the children. And in first year out of college, Jackie's opinion via the internet, Google, Renee wasn't doing it correctly. But it's almost like we're getting into too much detail there. And again, the white women are speaking. See, I don't know. I I, I would have wanted more detail I, I because if because I be, I came into to this believing that Renee Renee Bach killed a hundred babies. You know, I still believe that, but because now I'm like, I'm not doubting her what she did. I'm now trying to figure out, well, what is the norm here in this country? Cause they, they've really successfully made me want to know. So is this normal? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like what are we saying that those babies would have died if Renee was there or not? Cause it feels like they're saying those babies probably would have died. Yeah, but the mothers could have gone to a hospital. Sorry to interrupt, Mary. Here I am. An actual hospital or an actual medical center. And they took the kids to a place that they believed was a medical center. And this is one thing that that was never brought up to Renee. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever you say about your intentions and whatever you say about the children had nowhere else to go, whatever you say about that, you were were unregistered. Yes, yeah. Yeah. No, I completely I completely get that. I understand. That. I'm not saying that. What but what I am saying as somebody who like when I saw the blood bag, right? When I saw that she had started a blood transfusion on that baby from a full blood bag, I was like appalled because as somebody who worked in blood bank for a decade, give or take when babies get blood transfusions, we literally have to make up syringes for them for blood transfusion. Babies don't get like more than like, like I think the most extreme is like 50 mLs, 60 mLs for, uh, for blood transfusions. We give them, we, we have syringes. We have like 30, 30 mLs syringes and 50 mLs syringes. And there's a whole calculation you have to do between like the baby's body weight, between what their hemoglobin was, like what they can stand. You have to do a whole calculation, which our, our, our computer did for us, for how much blood we draw into these syringes to give these babies. And like I said, that's on the high end. So we're, when, I was, when I was working in blood bank and we had NICU babies that needed blood, some, some babies would only, take 50, only need 15 ml. Like we're talking small doses here. But she's hanging full bags of blood for these babies. And it's just like, how? <laughs> like, you can't just pump things in people's bodies. 
And then I was also like, did you cross match that blood? I don't see. They did not mention a laboratory at all mm-hmm. in that hospital. They said she she wrote in one of her blogs. Oh, we tested them for malaria. Did you? Did you? Yeah. Malaria is like that's again in a in a hospital here in the United States. You only see malaria in certain pockets of the country because it's not common. And just to be like, oh, yeah, we we found malaria. But where? Who? Do you have a lab? Gia, what what do you what are your thoughts? I think that you brought up a lot of good points, especially as someone in that field as a professional, Mari, because that might not be something that someone like me, the average person would know about. Like there are differences between needles for adult transfusions versus child transfusions. And also just looking through everything, it just highlights how manipulative and intentional this type of work is because they go to these countries with very little resources that are looking for people that work in these missionaries as like a type of funding basically for their country. And they pick populations that are essentially voiceless. So not just the impoverished parents, but the fact that like Mari, like you said it perfectly, these are babies, babies that are going through malnourishment. Babies are not going to voice Ad or advocate for themselves because they can't. They can't talk. Or if they can talk, if they're at the age where they are able to speak, they are too young to actually know what's going on. They know that obviously they are sick. They do not know what that means or what that or like what the proper care looks like. I'm sure that, you know, God forbid, if I went to the hospital now today, I would be able to advocate for myself in a certain way, not just because I I know what type of treatment I want for myself and the care that I want for myself, but I have a I have resources at my disposal so that even if I wasn't able to advocate for myself, I have people in my life that would be able to advocate for me and financially be able to advocate for me. That's not the case here. It's a very predatory industry that takes mm-hmm. advantage of people that are not able to speak up. And if they do want to speak up, they don't have the resources to make it happen. And there were a couple times in here where the individuals in the docu-series were talking about how deeply ingrained colonialism is here in not just within Uganda, but in the way that this medical care is being distributed to the point where they didn't know suing serving his children was an option until we had a very educated lawyer to do that for us. So I it 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 feels very intentional that these are the lives that they are toying with here. And mm. even if all of those children would have died if they had gone to a hospital as opposed to uh, serving his children. They still practiced unlicensed because they felt that God would do. Yeah. They, every, anything that they have an explanation for, they don't have an excuse for, they say that it was because God told them to. So that is all the evidence I need that they should not have. This practice should not have been established. 
uh, Renee should not have set foot in Uganda. She was not qualified mm-hmm. to run this clinic. She certainly was not qualified to uh, distribute any type of medical practicing here. There were and there were a couple comments that I saw on Twitter that made me also kind of refocus this. But the idea of like one, if you feel called to serve and to uh, and to help those uh, that are starving, for one thing, United States has a lot of food deserts, particularly in the rural South. So. Why did you feel called to serve in a place like Uganda for all of the like when there are people in your own country that need help and services or on the other side of it, which ends up being one of the solutions that they talk about uh, later on, is that if you are receiving all of these donations, all of these resources, why not? bring those services to the hospitals that are understaffed. Exactly. So the whole, all of that, if you, if Renee really cared about these children, she would have taken one of those options. You can still send money to Uganda to help with the the malnourishment issues that they have there, the severity of those issues there and help them in those ways without making yourself the poster child for saving Ugandan children. And again, saving is used very loosely here because I do not think that she saved really anybody. Yeah, exactly that. And it's just like uh it's just like when we had you on talking about cults. Mm-hmm. It's just like uh if you haven't checked out our coverage of the other black girl over on the Connect podcast over on Post Show Recaps, we also talk about kind of like a cult over there. It's like cults just go one step too far just one step too far i feel like was the last time last thing we had said the last time we had a cult on here like when renee was just literally feeding the kids right that's all they asked her to do they said hey can you open this center where kids can come and feed on real food just food and feeding and the kids and their moms can come and it was a malnutrition rehabilitation center they can come they can eat until they get their body weight up and then they go. Why didn't you stop there? Why didn't you just stop there? Where it's something that you are qualified to do. You're, this, it's really just helping. You're just feeding them. You're providing them food because food is very scarce there. Why did you need to go that extra step? Why did you feel like you needed to be like, the, if if they're going to have anything, it's the, it's the fucking audacity, you know? And it's just like, oh, she's she tried to she tried to validate it by saying like, oh, we took this child to one hospital. Their oxygen tank was broken. We took this child to another hospital. The power was out. We took them to another hospital and whatever, whatever. Again, like Gia said, you're raising all that money. Give that money to those hospitals. Yes. Buy that if, oxygen tank. Yes. Buy the power. Exactly. Buy like Get them generators so that if they have a power outage, it's not going to shut down the whole hospital. Buy them extra oxygen tanks. Get them the medical supplies that they need. You're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for Mm -hmm. your vanity project. You're not actually serving the people of Uganda. You want to serve yourself. Exactly. And, And it's just it's again, it's just why. Why did you have to go that far? Why did you have to basically experiment on the on these? 
these babies, giving them these IV fluids. I'm, I'm, I, w- I really wanted to know like how fast they were running these IV fluids as well. Cause as somebody who has suffered from severe dehydration because of several bouts of stomach flu and, and food poisoning, that that's so, it's so harsh on the body to like force rehydration on the body is very hard when you're an adult, you know? So as a child, as a baby, as a kid, if they're not getting those measurements right, I can only imagine. I can only imagine what those kids were going through when when that was happening to them. And it just it it really pisses me off. I can't believe that she was operating like that and she was literally getting away with murder. Any any final thoughts, Sarah, before we move on? Yeah, I just I, I want to quote another white person. This is uh, David Gibbs, Renee's attorney, and he said to the camera and to us, missionaries are under attack. If the oh. anti-missionary rhetoric in today's world reaches the point where anyone who wants to go into a foreign country is perceived as somehow colonial or racist, it might shut down world missions. And I said, yes, David. Please. Let's please. do that. Let's do that. Yeah. Like, David, I already no. wanted the missionaries to be shut yeah. down. You're speaking yeah, my you. language right here. Yeah. So that was never challenged. Yes, let's perceive them like that because that is what they're doing. Uh, look, I mean, I'm glad I watched the, glad and in inverted commas that I watched the documentary i mean we obviously all have a lot of big thoughts about it but it's not good and it's not centered on the right people and it gave the perpetrator so much room to tell her story mm-hmm. and her co-conspirators including her mother so much room and so much time to speak and never pushed back on them mm-hmm. and it's so funny like so like the first episode they're basically kind of recounting her life right they're kind of giving her backstory and it's all angelic and shit and they're they're posting her from her blogs and they're like reading from her blogs and stuff and then it's like when they finally sit down and talk to her directly when they're saying like oh Jackie said this and Renee's like well what does Jackie know like Renee's a horrible person you know <laughs> like it, it felt like they couldn't even use they probably I, I, oh I would pay money to think that they probably couldn't even use most of the stuff that she said because in her interviews that we got there when the, anybody gave her any type of pushback about what she did she got she was so defensive she was so snippy she was so like the fact that she couldn't read neo neo colonial colonialism she didn't, and didn't know what, what it meant. meant you you you're the embodiment of it like <laughs> it was just and oh my god it was, she made my skin crawl and i just I really didn't feel like they gave her like they gave her the chance, like the edit of like what we got with BS High or, you know, where it's like you you let them talk themselves into lying because she did lie a few times. Like they let her really do like mental gymnastics on some of those lies when she was like, when I gave that blood transfusion, Constance was there. They're like, we talked to Constance. Constance says she wasn't there. And then she was like, okay, she's like, I remember Constance being there, but it was so long ago. Oh, but also we also had other nurses there. And I'm like, you are the, lying. Okay. The fact that you should not be giving transfusions to babies. You should not Here. be putting IVs into their heads. She said, oh, well, I did that because all the doctors and nurses around me said they couldn't do it and they begged me to do it. I don't think so. 
You probably said step aside, <laughs> you know? She did said step aside because we did hear of that behaviour, not just from Jackie, but from uh, some of the other oh, African medical stuff. That reminds me. So, sorry, sorry we're jumping around here. But, like, the piece where she was like, okay, I bring in more nurses, I bring in more doctors. I'm like, cool. We got, there's at least three to four nurses here. There's a doctor here. And they talk to the doctor. The doctor's like, hey, she was my boss. Uh, I was there, but if she said to do something, we had to go with it. That part where they show, like when they show the footage of one of her videographers, like they had videographers trying to collect promotional um, footage. When they show that part where the the nurses are like, oh, the baby's seizing, like the baby's seizing, we need to push diazepam. And she was like, epinephrine? They're like, no, we need to push diazepam. She's like, adrenaline? <laughs> no, the baby is seizing. I was like, you are going to give a seizing baby adrenaline? Also, what are you doing in the room? Get out of the room. Get, Get out, out of the room. room. You're not but needed. Girl, what? Why would... I'm not even going to get into the medical aspects of that, but the baby's not having a heart attack. The baby's not dead. The baby is seizing. The baby's seizing. That means everything is firing off at once in their bodies, in their brains, causing an overload. They're seizing. So why on God's green earth, anybody with who's seen Pulp Fiction should know what adrenaline does to the body, you know? Or if you've seen Crank, you know? You should not be giving adrenaline to somebody who's seizing. And, you know, I'm assuming they still push diazepam because the nurses were like, no. <laughs> but we didn't it's not not like we saw a clear action being taken from that scene but i, I think that think. just shows how she was how she was yes. operating excuse the exactly word. and also before those nurses were there was she giving adrenaline and the wrong things exactly. to, to to babies i'm sure she was i mean we haven't spoken about her adopted daughter i don't know if we want to bring that up uh i am so uncomfortable with the yes. fact that they showed this girl's face on the documentary and the way that now I this girl is going to have to grow up probably knows that this documentary exists if she has not already seen it and see the comments about her adopted mother she is going to have to make those decisions for herself about how she wants to process all of this information as she gets older and she's old enough where she already knows like Mm-hmm. A good deal about what is happening right now. Mm-hmm. So it's only going to get worse when she gets older. So I don't want to put her up for any scrutiny or talk about, I don't know what Renee is like as a parent. I only know what we have seen from the documentary and I don't think highly of her. I don't want to <laughs> put any scrutiny on her daughter because that's going to be something that she as an individual is going to have to decide for herself. However, I don't think there is anybody in that. And she has she has multiple children, but she has one child that is uh, significantly older than the other one, it appears. So that's why I'm talking about mm-hmm. this child specifically. They should not have shown this girl's face. I mm-hmm. am. I feel very strongly about this, given the content of the docuseries and the the all of the underlying concerns about her adoption. I don't think that uh, no white saviors should have used used Renee's adopted daughter as a leveraging point 
And Mm -hmm. really, I don't think really anybody that was included in the documentary really cared about this girl's well-being, including the production of this company. I, you know, talk about Renee has agreed to be on this documentary. Let her talk all she wants about, you know, let her dig her own grave as far as I'm concerned. But the fact that they brought a girl who did not choose any of this, did not choose to be adopted, did not choose to leave Uganda, did not choose where she is currently living. Um, And that it seems like Renee production, no white saviors, all of them were using uh, her adopted daughter as a leveraging point. I am Mm -hmm. so sad for her and I'm disgusted in how the documentary used her as she should not have even been a factor here as far as i'm concerned yeah it's the it's the it's the ultimate act of colonization Mm. that she took Mm. this child and for some reason what really i mean i didn't like how much we saw her i didn't like that she was named i didn't like that we saw her face all of those things should have been protected but for some reason what really sent me was that renee pays a black woman to come and do her daughter's hair. I myself have watched YouTube videos of a white mother of black children who says, as a white mother of black children, you need to learn how to deal with their hair. And she gives little tutorials. But well, if that white lady can do it, why aren't you doing your daughter's hair? Why haven't you learned how to do it? To be quite honest, that might be her only saving grace because I think I'd I'd much rather she have this black woman come and her she not look crazy. Agreed. But but I think (laughs) my thought process when I saw that scene also was more like you're talking about how my daughter can't go back to Uganda and and you're you're criticizing why she's here in a a a white rural town. It's because you ran us out of Uganda, but girl, like there are black people go like come up here to Northern Virginia, come up, go somewhere where, like they said, the, the Confederate flag isn't the the flag of your, of your city. My daughter cries every night because she can't go back to Uganda, And that's your fault. No, that's your, that's your fault. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah, that's and rewind your fault. right back to don't adopt her. And you're, don't and adopt she, her. she, and she, she's othered where she's at. She's othered where she's at. And I, I get it, Sarah. Like she can't even be bothered to, to like learn her culture by like doing her hair. But honestly, I'm just glad that I am glad that that girl's hair is at least done. I mean, it looked great yes. and it may be the only other black person that she sees. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And anyway, I shouldn't be talking about black hair. So no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no I, it's true. I, I get think, it. I think that if you like, there's, you know, some people, people will make different decisions about uh, their hair. Um, or their children's hair, especially um, like as a biracial person, like my mother has curly hair as well. So but like, you know, parents are going to make like their own, their different decisions about the hair. But it is an important conversation to have. I am just very upset about how the daughter was used. That was maybe one of the least forgiving parts of this documentary. And frankly, HBO should know better. Yeah, they. I mean, the camera was dead in her face. Like at one yeah. point, they they had it to her cheek, like that's yeah. how close it was. They had yeah. it so close to the back of her head, too. Like seeing the the braids being put in in her yeah. head. I don't think there was any point in this documentary that was made stronger by 
this child being there. And I mean that I in a good way for the child. I mean that in that, like, I don't think she needed to be included in the documentary. I Not to say that her existence should be erased from this narrative. I think it's important to note that Renee has adopted children of color. I don't know. I don't know if we had any information about the baby, but uh, or about like where that child is from. But this uh, her first daughter is definitely from Uganda. And that's a big part of this story. I don't think that there are any points that this documentary was trying to make for better or for worse, because I think there were a lot of question marks on what points they were actually trying to make. But I don't think that the documentary was stronger by putting her as a leveraging point in the narrative of this series. But how, Gia, how can you have the heartwarming scene of Renee mm-hmm. cooking Ugandan food in the kitchen oh while her God. daughter chops onions? I hate her so much. <laughs> it's difficult. It's just really hard to contend with and, like, there were just as somebody that does not work uh, as at, like her full time job in media or in medical practices, but mm-hmm. has been like adjacent in some of those fields. There were just several things in here that for someone that does not have like a full working knowledge of it, that like this is clearly something that they could have done differently. Just as someone that is concerned about the well-being of a child that is at the center of this documentary. Okay, with that being said, Gia, how many magnifying glasses are you going to rate Savior Complex out of a possible five? I will give it a one for one reason only. The lawyer. The lawyer that we see in yes. the third episode. I think yeah, this we is see her prima part of the second one. So Prima. I thought she was great. And she seemed to be the only person that was a main character of this series that uh, and I'm not again I am not going to count about the um, I think there's a lot of inner workings that happens with the uh, doctors and nurses that worked at serving his children so I mm-hmm. I do want to like just put that aside but I think that she was one of the only like main characters of this series that actually cared and centered her clients feelings above all else, because even though when we got to the point where we learned how the case was settled, even though this might not necessarily fit her definition of justice, Mm -hmm. it was good enough for the individuals because no matter what they did, they did, it was not going to bring their children back and they did not want to go to court. She could have turned this into a sensationalized case for herself, but she centered her clients and that is mm-hmm. the best thing that she can do. She had their best interests at heart and gave, let them leave with something and did not go against their wishes. The same way that Renee did not do that. No white saviors did not do that. And I think it was really important to note that she really did want to do what was best for her clients specifically. And that she ended this saying that like if that even if this is not what I think should have happened we did what was best for them and only they as the individuals as the victims of this 
only they know what is going to be the best justice for them. She seems to be one of the very few people here that was not trying to push her own agenda onto mm-hmm. other individuals and think that, well, I am the lawyer. I know what's best for my clients. They don't even know what's best for them. I can't say that for anybody else in this documentary. I completely agree. Sarah, how many magnifying glasses are you going to rate uh, this docuseries out of a possible five? Kind of unrateable, really. Uh, I'll give it a one and Gia, like you, I'll give it for Prima. I mean, there's a documentary. She didn't know, she didn't yes. know that she had human rights till she went to law school. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, she had a, an awakening, a political awakening, an advocacy awakening. And her background, her background, about her, her father, her father kicked out her and her, 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 kicked out her mom and her mom's seven daughters because he wanted an heir. Yes. Dog, it is 2023. Do we still not know that the men dictate the sex of the baby? Yeah. Do, no. we, do people still Her not fault. know that? Her fault. But yes, you're right. I mean, the site of the initial attempt at mediation and Kakai Annette, she was the mother of Elijah who died. And we see her sitting in that room looking at the screen and she just gets up and walks out of the room. And I yeah. thought, yes, that is powerful. And Prima saw that and Prima said, these women don't want to go to court. It's not my opinion. It's what's best for them. So, Gia, yes, like you, I'm going to give it one for Prima. The thing is, seductively, the documentary as a property is very well made. Yeah. So you kind of think, well, some. It's going to be good. It's going to get good. And I think the inclusion of a shaky uh, iPhone recording of an argument between the two founders of No White Uh. Saviors, one a white woman, one a black woman, was so egregious (laughs) and so incorrect. Talk to Wendy. Ask her why she decolonized the organization. Fantastic. Or have a statement or something. But this kind of gotcha shaky video of an argument that really we can't follow i thought what the fuck are you doing get that out of here that does not belong in this documentary anyway one for me how about you mari yeah yeah i i have to give it a one i i was frustrated when it was over i literally said what the actual fuck and as we sit here and talk about it, I just get more and more frustrated because I just don't understand. I, I, I do not understand the point of this documentary. I, I never want to come away from a property being like, I don't understand where they were going. Like I would much rather you push a certain narrative. You know, they sometimes, I think this documentary got caught in that trap of trying to be um, subjective, trying to both sides something that to the point where it no sided nothing because I felt like I didn't learn anything about any side. I felt everything was underrepresented. I felt confused. <laughs> like, why are you, so why are you showing me, like, why are you showing me? Like, it felt like they were trying to say that like no, what no white saviors was like a harassment group, like a harassment or hate group. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it felt weird, man. It felt so weird. And I was like, I didn't like it. I did not like it at all. I would not suggest you watch this. <laughs> I would literally say, just listen to us. Honestly, well, let's, Sarah, we, let's tweet it out. Let's, let's tweet out, spoiler alert. Come listen to us next week. 
don't watch the property because it's just it's bad like i i it's honestly bad in three hours three like three one hour like parts i i agree with sarah like when i turned it on they did fly by like it's not like i felt every minute of those hours but i still feel like there was so much more information that or so much different information that could have been used than what was used. Like you said, instead of B-rolls of her riding on a horse, like get, 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 get out of here, get out of here. So yeah, it's a one, it's a one for me. Uh, I didn't like anything about it. So we let's, <laughs> let's, let's kind of like cheer this up a little bit. Uh, Gia, what do you have to recommend to our listeners? <laughs> I so I do not have a specific recommendation this time. However, I do want to recommend that as somebody who herself admittedly does not know very much about the history of Uganda or the current state of Uganda, um, particularly where their health concerns are. However, I think that the best thing that any of us can do that walked away from this docu-series and was like, why, what did we, what did we learn here is that we should be looking into more sources that are from Ugandan people specifically, whether that's fiction stories, whether that is uh, accounts about the current situation of Uganda, the history of Uganda. I just think that we should center their voices more as this documentary did not. And anything that you find where we can learn more about it from the uh, Ugandan people themselves, please send my way because I would love to read it. And I would love to know more about that in a way that centers their voices and not other people speaking for them. I completely agree. Uh, Sarah, what do you have to recommend? Let's go to the dulcet tones of Keith Morrison. He'll read you a story you can go to sleep by. Uh, I'd like to recommend a podcast from Dateline called Murder in Apartment 12. It's a terrible murder of a an about-to-be 20-year-old young woman and the police and legal shenanigans that led to her boyfriend being tried three times and a fourth time if you count the court of public opinion. He did not do it. Spoiler. Mm. Uh, so there's lots of twists and turns. It's fascinating. It's also very sad. The victim is well served in the podcast. It's pretty straight down the line. It's Dateline, so we know it's going to be pretty straight down the line. But as we've discussed before, there's something quite soothing about, and we all need to be soothed after watching White Saviour Complex. Uh, how about you, Murray? So I am going to suggest some just messy, messy TV. Yay. <laughs> to get out of this. Um, Netflix is in its mess era. And of course, if you can also support our network here. So first, the first thing I'm going to recommend is The Devil's Plan on Netflix. Our good friends at over on Nothing But Netflix are covering that. It is a Korean reality TV show. Uh, uh, it's a Korean social strategy reality TV show. If you're a fan of like The Genius or Big Brother or The Traders, any type of strategic social reality, you'll love The Devil's Plan. You, it can be subbed or dubbed. It's over on Netflix. And then also then go listen to our our, our coverage on nothing but Netflix. 
Of course, uh, Love is Blind is back. It is a messy, messy, messy season. The, the drama is high. The entertainment is high. And Marian Asia over on the Love at First Sight feed um, is covering every little bit of season five of, of Love is Blind. So go check that out. That's so fun as well. And then if you are looking for some ABC related mess instead of Netflix, The Golden Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise are back as well. So I'm pretty sure we'll be having coverage from our Bachelor girls, um, Haley and Amy for that. So let's just go and watch some messy reality TV. Like let's let's do that. Let's let's put everything down for a second <laughs> and go and do that. You know, go donate to a a fund, uh, you know, a legal fund, an abortion fund, something that you are passionate about, go donate to that and then go watch the messy TV, okay? Because it's it's ridiculous out here. Um, and mark the date in your diary, November 22nd, 2023 is when Squid Game, The Challenge, yes. drops on Netflix. That is the live action, real life Squid Game. I believe nobody dies, which is a bit disappointing, but Ooh. yes, it is in my calendar. Yes, exactly. So let's just do that. Let's just get into some messy drama and try and relax until next week, until the next horrible thing we have to cover. Um, <laughs> so here at Crime Scene, we are eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP. That's Crime S E E N R H A P. Or you can send us any long form questions by email at crime scene rhap at gmail.com. We're also on TikTok at crime.scene and on Instagram, threads, and Facebook at crime scene podcast. And please remember to subscribe to our feed. Rob has a website.com slash crime feed. It makes a big difference. Gia, what do you have going on and where can the people find you? Oh, so Survivor 45 is back, which is my bread and butter. And I am Mm -hmm. so happy to be back and I'm happy to have somebody that I actually know on the show. He was quite the star on Mm -hmm. the premiere. So I'm happy to announce that I don't know about that. We'll be back to recap each episode of Survivor 45. But before we get to the premiere recap, I am very excited to announce that we have a little side project going on, which is called I Do Know About That. This will be a bar trivia type quiz on the new school Survivor. I will be there and I will be facing off against Dwight Moore and Chappelle for... Bragging rights, I assume. I did not think of a prize outside of bragging rights. And it will be uh, emceed by Jordan Kalish. So I'm very excited to have that come out. I'll be live streaming it. Well, I guess this will probably be out after I'm live streaming it. But uh, September 30th at noon Eastern will be when that is out. And I'm very excited for it. Um, So yeah, listen to I Don't Know About That as well as I Do Know About That. And also, I will be at the RHAP event in New York next week, NYC. Um, so come say hi. Awesome. Uh, what do you have going on, Sarah? And where can people find you? The people can follow me at Sarah Carradine on all the things. Over on Silent Podcasts, I'm covering the Amazing Race Australia Celebrity Edition with the icon that is Annabelle Fiddler. 
And on post-show recaps, Grace Leader, Brooklyn Z, and I are fizzing with you. That's not grammatical. Uh, that should be me. And me are fizzing with excitement about, now hold on, I am fizzing. And I, I was right the first time, mm. are fizzing with excitement about Our Flag Means Death Season 2. Join Steed Bonnet, Blackbeard, and the crew every week with us. What about you, Murray? What have you got going on? So, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's two like the number two. I'll post anything that I'm doing over there. But we just wrapped up coverage for the other black girl, like I said, over on Post Show Recaps for uh, the Connect on Post Show Recaps. Me and Asia did we, we did in five episodes. We covered 10, 10 episodes of the other black girl. And in the finale, we were joined by Sasha Joseph. It was a very fun time. If you haven't watched the Hulu original, The Other Black Girl, uh, run, don't walk, go watch that, and then come listen to our coverage over on Post Show Recaps by going to postshowrecaps.com slash connect. And you can also find Chappelle, me and Chappelle, our coverage of The Changeling, Apple TV's uh, newest dark fantasy fairy tale TV show. And we are covering that on The Connect as well. So go to postshowrecaps.com slash The Connect, or you can follow The Connect on Post Show Recaps on Apple Podcasts, or you can watch both those both those uh, show coverages on Post Show Recaps YouTube page. So a lot of places to find us. Come and support The Connect on Post Show Recap. We try and cover prestige Black TV. And so come and check us out over there. Also, Big Brother, it's still happening. Mm-hmm. So don't remind me. <laughs> I know. So I'll be um, popping up on some recap this week. So if you want to find me, you uh, I'll post that on Twitter as well. Me and Matt are still on hiatus for the wrestling wrap up. Uh, you can, but you can go and check out check us out and listen to all our backlogs and stuff like that while while we're on the Yadis. Other than that, that's it for me. Sarah, what are we watching next week? Uh, next week on Crime Scene, we are discussing Who Killed Jill Dando with Matt Scott, our Who Killed correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it on Netflix and send us your comments and questions. Thanks to Gia for joining us, Will from America for the theme music, and the whole RJP team behind the scenes. Until next time, case, case closed. closed.